Hey there, Mike Stelzner coming to you with a fascinating update you might not be familiar with. Did you know that Social Media Examiner can deliver all the marketing, training, news, and trends, insights that you need into your inbox three days a week when you sign up for our newsletter and it's completely free? Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates and take your marketing to the next level. Welcome to the Web3 Business Podcast, helping you navigate the future of business. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Web3 Business Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for innovative thinkers who want to know what works in the world of Web3. Today, I'm going to be joined by Amanda Gadbo also known online as AKA Stevie from the Proof Collective. And we're going to talk about how to develop Web3 community and culture. If you have been a fan of what Moonbirds and the Proof Collective have done, I think you're going to find today's interview absolutely fascinating. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show so you don't miss any of our future content. We've got some great guests coming your way. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Amanda Gadbo. Helping you to simplify your Web3 journey, here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Amanda Gadbo. If you don't know who Amanda is, she's the head of culture and community at Proof, the company behind the Moonbirds NFT project. Proof is building community-centered Web3 products for artists, collectors, and entrepreneurs. And she's also known online as AKA Stevie. Amanda, super excited to have you today. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Michael, I remember when you joined our community, everyone was super excited because they had heard, you know, the, the guy from Social Media Examiner was joining our community. And it was, uh, it's just so amazing that we're finally getting a chance to, to sit down and talk. Well, thank you for that. I'm really excited to have you here today. And we're going to talk about really how to develop a Web3 community and culture, which I think you and the team over there at Proof have done a stellar job at. But before we go there, I want to back up the train a little bit. I want to hear a little bit of your story. Like, how the heck did you get into Web3? Start wherever you want to start. Okay, sure. So I have always been kind of mindful of my investments, let's say. I am, you know, a child of an immigrant. I'm an immigrant myself, actually. Um, And uh, when we came to this country, you know, it's, it's not easy to do that on your own. And so I always wanted to make sure that I was, you know, mindful of the things that I was doing with my retirement funds, et cetera, et cetera. So all of that stuff was always kind of top of mind for me. I had been investing in some stocks here and there. A few years ago, I got a little lucky by buying some Tesla stock. Ah. And yes, yeah, Tesla stock. I sold that a little too early. (laughs) I I wrote it up to about $400 and I got out. I should have stuck. (laughs) Oh man, it's so hard. You could never tell, you know? Um, But I, but I got really lucky there. And then, so that's sort of one part of my story. And then another part is the fact that I've been on Reddit for years, you know, over 10 years, uh, right around that same time, you know, Wall Street Bets was, was popping up. And I decided to kind of jump in on that a little bit. It was just the perfect time where I was playing a little bit with house money, got into GameStop, you know, really, really enjoyed that, like, 
this is the little guy fighting against the, these big wigs. It was so kind of consuming, you know, and I think that was my real first taste of, of what community could do and the power of community. And so I got, you know, really wrapped up in that, but really enjoyed it, you know, learning about options and learning about a little bit more risky plays. Started investing a little bit more in crypto. And one of my friends had bought an, a board ape. I think at like three ETH, which was still a lot to me, but every day he would come in and say, it's worth five ETH now, is worth seven ETH now. When are you guys going to get in on this? And so just sort of through that, through my smaller community of, of people from Reddit, I decided to jump into, into NFTs. And that was an incredible sort of unlock for me when I realized that community, the same kind of community that I was seeing with GameStop, it was happening much more organically on the NFT side. And it really made me want to kind of take a bigger look at that. When did you actually jump into NFTs? Like, do you remember what year or when it was? I'm just curious. July, 2020. Okay. So you got in just as everything was starting to pop. Or 2021, 2021. Okay. 2021. Yes. Because I think Board Apes happened in 2021. Yeah. So this space is so young and so new that I think I would be considered, you know, an OG. I think 2020 would be like, you know, like I, hopefully if I've, if I've been here since 2020, I should have already been retired by now because that was like the real good times. <laughs> yeah. So July 20, summer of 2021 was about when Gary V, I think, started V Friends or something like that, right? Yes. Yeah. We started seeing more signals of people getting into NFTs. And then there was Top Shot, right? Like that was that whole time where I think I faded Top Shot. And then I saw, you know, Bored Apes. I saw them going into Christie's. I think it was the Christie's moment that really made me want to really focus on what was going on over there. If I was, you know, jumping into all these sort of random crypto and all these sort of random options trades. Why not? Why not just throw in another kind of risky thing? I was having fun. It was the, the pandemic. I was on maternity leave. I had some opportunity to try to make something, you know, for, for my family while I was had all this time off of, of work. And so it was just really a perfect place in the right time. And then professionally, I had been working as a representative of like local governments. I had worked for, for like the tourism department, the city manager department, always just sort of representing these different departments in, in a city. And I really was super, super passionate about that. I, you know, majored in international relations, got my master's in public administration, just really had a passion for trying to make people's everyday lives matter and do things well for, for everybody in a local government. But I think because I was so young, because I think I was so ambitious, you know, the, the speed of things in government is, is, was quite frustrating for me. And so when I finally had this time off, I was just sort of like, this is, I, I already know, I think, what each community needs. You know, they need somebody to sort of lead them. They need a good representative. I had just the perfect combination of everything, I think, that just really kind of locked it in for me. Yeah, I was also doing emergency management. And so whenever I would see crazy FUD, I was like, oh, I know how to handle this, you know? And then I think as I was getting ready to go back into work every single day and put on, you know, uncomfortable clothes, I was like, I think I need to figure out a way to make this happen. As somebody who was, you know, always very cautious about, you know, every every move that I make in terms of my my career, I wanted to make sure that I was with a company that I could actually really grow with it for a long time, you know, and when I had this opportunity with Proof, it was just a no brainer. Yeah. Tell us how the heck did that happen? Like, how did you meet Kevin? <laughs> 
So like I said, I had a friend who had the board ape, right? And that was from this smaller group of of like this was in like a private subreddit. When I got into NFTs, I wanted to recreate that same thing. And so with every project that I was in, I would find people who I really kind of related to and brought them into my own like little private subreddit. One of those people was Eli Scheinman, who is now the head of art at Proof. But he was a former employee of Kevin's at some of his other ventures. And he was just a volunteer mod, you know, when uh, when the Proof Collective started. You know, it was a small group of people, a thousand people, probably, you know, a couple hundred people active every day. And Kevin just needed a couple of people to just watch the the Discord. And so he was still working full time at his other job and, and doing that. And when they were about to launch Moonbirds, they were looking for for moderators. And he dropped it in in our private Discord. And while it was a pay cut for me, I saw that it had benefits. I saw that it was, you know, a full-time gig and it was with Kevin Rose. Eli has, you know, a lot of experience in Web2 as well. And he was like, if there's anybody who wants to work on an NFT team, really the best way for you to go is, you know, with people who are proven builders. And, you know, he dropped that in. I decided to take the the jump and, you know, got hired as a mod, but quite quickly afterwards, you know, was promoted to community manager. And now here I am as, you know, head of culture and community. Well, and you have a job that's the envy of many people I know because <laughs> Kevin Rose and Proof Collective and Moonbirds and all that is one of the most successful NFT projects. And for sure, in the history books will be mentioned. Tell us what you're doing for the company now. Like what what's the role? And like what entails, like just in a quick minute. Okay. In a quick minute, that's going to be hard. No, it is. <laughs> it, it, it encompasses a lot of things. You know, it is your traditional community manager role in which, you know, I'm spending a lot of time on the discord being that voice of, of the team and relaying information out. But I think in terms of the culture aspect of my job, you know, it's really about trying to make sure that we are in line with what the community wants, what the community is looking to get out of this project and how we can sort of implement some of these these needs and these wants into the the roadmap that we're already building. I spend a lot of my day hopping back and forth between Slack, talking to the team with in Discord, you know, talking to our holders and on Twitter, really trying to understand sentiment from people who aren't holders or people who are holders and want to kind of, you know, have something that they want to tweet about and discuss. And that sort of combination of, of kind of bouncing around helps me get like a good everyday sentiment check on everything. And I take that information and when we talk to the product team or the engineering team or Kevin and, and Josh, who's our president or, or Justin, really try to take all of that sentiment and, and put it into the things that we're planning now. Always really looking out for the holder, always looking in that sense. And that's a little different from all the other members of our team who are just really looking to complete that goal, right? Like they, they have this task, they want to get it done. And I'm over here bugging them and going like, what about this? And what about, what about this, this one person who said this, that was actually a really good point. And so, you know, I think they really appreciate it, but I, I'm sure I always kind of like make their job just a little harder, a couple more steps in there every time, but uh, it's worked out. And another part of your job too, is also to be kind of a public face, right? Because yes. when, when you guys are doing spaces uh, or when you've done spaces in the past, it's often you mm -hmm. up there, right? Along with 
Kevin and Justin, but often you're the one that's keeping them from spilling the alpha too early. Or <laughs> <laughs> so. Yes. Yes. In the, in this idea of like a, the personification of the holder, right? Like I am always the person kind of behind the, the microphone, behind the accounts. Like this week we were doing stuff for Grails. You know, I worked with Eli on that. So even if I'm not talking with Kevin and Justin, Usually if we're doing something with an audience, it's usually me as, you know, that, that voice. And it's a lot of fun. You wear a lot of hats and I have great deal of respect for your work. Thank you. So for everyone that's listening, we've got creators, we've got entrepreneurs, we've got marketers, we've got all sorts of different gamuts of people that listen to this show. Tell them why community development is really, really critical in web three, maybe in a way that's even more important than web two. What's your take on that? Sure. And I think the word community has been misused a lot, you know, about what that really actually means. But I think the culture of Web3 really transforms, you know, holders into much more than customers. And I think in Web2, there is, you know, that that big line between, you know, you're you're giving them a product and they are paying for it. And so therefore they're customers. But because Web3 and because crypto really is, you know, an industry for the people, they, the people who invest or buy into a project really feel like they have a stake in what it is that you're building. And you have to make sure that you address that, making sure that you're always taking that into account, you know? So community, I think, needs to feel natural. It needs to really come from a place of passion. And so I think that when you're building something, really taking into account the emotional and psychological aspect of being in a project or in in any sort of Web3 world, I think that needs to be taken quite seriously. And I think that most people who kind of come in outside of this world can forget that because it's so easy to see community as customers. And that's the thing that they, I think, hate the most. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's fascinating. My other show called Social Media Marketing, which has been around for, you know, more than a decade. I remember in the early days of social, community was really critical because it was mostly Facebook. Mm-hmm. You know, it was mostly cultivating in comments on Facebook or Twitter or maybe LinkedIn, you know, but over time, everything has become automated and everything has become anonymized and it's just been about numbers and it hasn't been about community. It's about been growing followers, right? And the word community has kind of dropped off. And I love that Web3 is kind of bringing community back, right? And the all the powerful things that can happen with just the right people. You don't need masses. You just need the right people. And the truth is that with Web3, these are very small numbers, right? We're not talking about like, we're talking about thousands of people, not millions of people, right? When we talk about who's involved with ownership inside of these projects. From your take, I would love to explore like how has community and how can community lead to opportunities? Let's use some examples of what Proof has been able to achieve as a result of community, let's start with subparliaments and then maybe get into your DAO. Oh, sure. So our subparliaments are effectively little clubs within the Moonbird world. It started with people in different, with the same trait, all kind of getting together and wanting to just sort of like have that sort of pride of being all the robot birds together or all the skeleton birds together. And then it sort of transformed into even things that had nothing to do with your bird, like ladybirds, right? All the the women in our community wanted to to band together and reflect a, a, a really amazing 
idea that there are women in Web3 and that they are, you know, intelligent and, and super plugged into everything that's going on, because I think that that's a, a misrepresentation sometimes of, of women in this space. None of that was part of our of our plan in in the past, like at all. I think we wanted to just have this PFP project and we would kind of see what would happen as we just completed the rest of our our goals and everything like that. But I think what's kind of amazing about our team and especially Kevin is that when there is a when there's an idea that is really embraced by the entire community, we really want to kind of lean in on that. That is usually how we can really ensure that that culture of what it is that our our members want is actually being celebrated, you know? That is how we celebrate our culture. And so subparliaments was never something that we wanted. Uh, or that we were planning, but it just started happening very naturally. And then I think one day we didn't even we didn't even name them subparliaments, but one day somebody had had called it that, and it just stuck. I was like, you know what? I love that. Let's call it that. And we just started implementing more and more support for all the the different subparliament groups. We started with private events at NFT NYC in June, so that was only you know three or so months or two months after we had launched. We are creating that support on our website and our proof.xyz website by having a little directory of all the different subparliaments. And we're always encouraging them if they have a plan, if they have something that they want to try to accomplish, we're here to elevate them however we can. And so that's a whole nother side of our a project that has been absolutely community led that has, I think, really led to a lot of people developing much deeper relationships and, you know, helping with our retention, not going to lie, you know, um, they have their own, they have their own discord, they have their own communities, they have their own events. And when you can find people who can really connect with people outside of just giant masses in one discord, I think it really, really helps continue to plug in that sort of that psychological and emotional connection that I think you need because when you kind of remove that, they are just animal JPEGs, right? But if you have that connection to your identity, to a group of people, an even smaller one where you can actually have a voice and the team is recognizing it and wants to help, I think that that makes a huge difference. And so I think that that's a stellar example of, you know, what community can do. Real quick on the subparliaments, just approximately how many Official subparliaments off the top of your head. Are we talking dozens or 10 or something? I would say probably like, yeah, probably like 20, 20, 24, a couple dozen. And how has that benefited proof? Like what's the, if anybody's thinking about creating, you know, you guys call them parliaments, other people call them trait groups, whatever you call it, right? Creating something like this, you know, what are some of the benefits just for people that are listening that are thinking about doing something maybe in the future for their NFT collection? We like, for example, uh, especially with our events, you know, we allow them to like in our uh, upcoming proof of conference, we are going to have a subparliament dome. So the subparliaments that are the most active will get their own dome and be able to to have, you know, support from our team where, you know, Justin will help create some graphics. What's the dome? That's the dome. A, is that like a, is, is that like a booth? Is that kind of what you're implying? Just, I mean. Not just a booth. You, you missed out on the, the uh, proof of conference sneak peek yesterday. You got to go back and watch it. Oh. We've got some amazing graphics and renders for what we're we're hoping a proof of conference will be. Okay. Well, they're getting some sort of space is what you're saying, right? Some sort of physical Really space. cool space yeah. where people can come in and meet each other and cool. connect with each other. Cool. There have been artists that have launched projects through different of these sub parliaments. And so it's given an opportunity to get into the eyes of 
of everybody, right? So especially with the Dead Bird Society, there are a few really amazing artists in that group of people. So they launched a project. They already had the buy-in from their smaller group. We saw how active the, the Dead Birds were, and they are one of our favorites because they're just like so into it. Of course, we elevated it. Of course, Justin minted. And of course, then that sort of like ripple effect happened and that sort of introduced so many people to this project. You know, they've also now included that if you buy into this project, now you can come into their subparliament. Now there's people who can't afford a dead bird who can get this other project and now get to know our Moonbird community even more and maybe now are wanting to aspire to buy a Moonbird eventually one day, right? Love it. And so this is a really great opportunity to allow the community to help, you know, really be those advocates and really be those cheerleaders for us. Yeah, that's super cool. Let's talk about your your DAO. How did the Moonbirds DAO somehow, was that born out of the community? Was that something you weren't expecting? Talk to us a little bit about that story. Yeah, I think that was really, that absolutely was born out of our community. I think that it makes perfect sense that, you know, anybody who would want to come into a, a proof community, one that's led by Kevin Rose, who is an entrepreneur, it makes perfect sense that we would have a large group of people who are either coming from Web2 or entrepreneurs themselves who really kind of value some of the work that our our team Tons of the different team members have done. You know, a lot of them are also coming from the entrepreneur world. And so I think over time, we've just started to see so many amazing projects come through where people wanted to take meetings with us and wanted us to have, you know, an opportunity to maybe invest in their project or partner in their project. And they were all so good. And it became so difficult, I think, to be able to be like, we can't pick and choose all this. Like the the bigger we get, the, the more impressive people we get. This is going to be really hard, you know? And I think that, you know, after the CC0 decision, it made perfect sense to also want to actually bootstrap the community to make the most of the CC0 decision. Yeah, let's let's explain for people that don't know what CC0 is. It means that you've essentially given open copyright to the art, not yes. the name, right? Exactly. So people can use the anyone can use the art, not just the token holders to do anything they want in order to propagate the brand. That was a decision that you all made and as a result of that, you had a lot of people interested in partnering with you. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yes, exactly. So we had so many people, like most kind of famously, there was the Moonbirds Gin. We we loved the bottle. We loved the founder. We were super into it. But then we had this sort of issue with, with our IP rights. And we started seeing that there are so many amazing people who want to do really cool things. And the last thing that we want to do is get in their way by having to review a million contracts and, and give, you know, IP rights to different kinds of people. It was starting to become, you know, quite difficult in order for us to kind of get other things done because we saw so much of this. So we decided to let it free. If we were going to let it free, we still wanted to have this opportunity to really highlight the amazing ones that were coming through. And so with the DAO, we've decided to bootstrap the DAO with, I believe, $2 million in order to really help these entrepreneurs come into the space, give them a platform and a very engaged audience to build something. You know, in our mind, we are hoping that we get some products, we get some projects that not only help kind of proliferate the Moonbird brand, but also 
give them an opportunity to maybe have their first shot at Web3, knowing that they're already proven builders elsewhere, right? If they do that and they're successful, I think they won't ever, you know, forget what Moonbirds have, have done for them. And I think that it will just create this sort of ripple effect throughout the years as we grow stronger and bigger and bigger. And so these are all like long-term moves that I think will absolutely come back to us and make us have this sort of name in this industry. Because there's not, I don't think there's any real project that's doing what we're doing here. By being still, we're continuing to build, we're continuing to do other things, but we have this arm of the DAO that allows the community to be as engaged as they want and and build whatever they want. Like it's it's pretty cool. Very cool. Okay, so your job is really to help develop amazing community. And I would love to hear, because there's a lot of people listening right now that would love to have the kind of community that Proof and Moonbirds has. So from your perspective, having worked with Proof, pretty much you got in right around when they started, right? I was there right before Moonbirds started. So that was about four months in. Okay. So pretty close. So you, but you, you were there just as everything exploded then, right? As, mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. everything went from just a thousand people to many thousands of people, right? So w- what kind of tips do you have to help develop and nurture a great community? whether it's inside Discord or in spaces or wherever, regardless of the platform? It's not easy, I will say. And I think that you have to really value the things that are the unscalable. And so that means taking one-on-one meetings with people. Like I have every Friday open office hours. People can sign up on my Calendly and just come meet with me. A lot of the times, you know, they're 30-minute meetings. A lot of the times it's just people who wanted to kind of get to know me more. And, you know, I would say probably out of two of five meetings every Friday, there are people with incredible ideas, people who really want to get in front of me and and share with me the things that they can't necessarily say just over text. And when I see like the benefit of IRL when we have these meetups is insane. When I actually can put a name to a face, I feel so much closer to them. And so this is a smaller part of that uh, where I can really get to know somebody And now they're on my radar and now I want to help them even more, right? These are the little things I think that while it's not easy because we're busy all the time, just being able to carve out this time to do the unscalable. I am on, you know, Twitter as much as I possibly can, retweeting people. Real quick, I want to go back to these these meetings that you do because I want to understand how they function. So I think I heard you say that every Friday you schedule like 30 minute calls up to five of them with community members. And it's kind of like, it's out there and you know, it's on demand. Do you literally do them back to back? And also do you have any structure to them? Just so if anybody, you know, any wisdom on how to do these in a way that it doesn't suck all the life out of you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> I honestly get recharged talking to people Oh, great! so much more. So like I, I can do, I, I lo- also love just like typing and stuff, but I think that after months and months of it, sometimes it's just so nice to just be able to talk to somebody, see a face and just vibe with them. And so a lot of the times it's getting to know them, just like how long have you been in the community? What are you doing? Giving them, you know, that sort of like hearing about their backstory and really kind of recognizing them, right? As well as just hearing them out. So again, sometimes they have, you know, ideas for for the team. 
which I take notes on for sure. Or sometimes they have a project that they wanted to just get in front of me because they were about to, you know, apply for what we call a community collaboration. So that's if you have a project and you're, you're launching something, you want to use our community as, you know, you want to give them uh, an allow list or you want to invite them to the project. Uh, you can just do a, an application. But I think a lot of the times you get some people who are incredibly passionate, who are like, I just want to show you this. I want you to be excited. Right. And sometimes, it, I mean, it does work. If I'm super excited about something, it's a lot easier for me to retweet. It's a lot easier for me to share or maybe mint because I'm excited. And so it makes, I mean, that's the hustle and I love it. You know, like I'm here to listen to all of that. And it's always usually pretty good. It's just a fun time. 30 minutes is not a super long time for me. I could go on and on, as you can see. So it's it's fine. <laughs> well, first of all, I love the idea of doing the unscalable in a world that we operate in where it seems like everybody wants a piece of whoever is the the lead person, right? Or the face of the company. The fact that you choose to do that is commendable. And I, I can imagine it has a really positive ripple effect too, because the fact that you gave 30 minutes of your time to one of your community members and listened to them, I'm sure makes them even bigger evangelists for the project, right? Because I got a chance to meet you if they come to your in real life events like meetups at NFT NYC or the proof conference in LA, they'll already feel like they know you. They'll begin to introduce each other. It's just, it's magic. I love it. Yes. What a great tip. So you were talking about Twitter. Like what do you do out on Twitter also? Because that can get kind of crazy, right? Yeah, it can get kind of crazy. And I think that, again, the point of all of this in terms of unscalable is is recognizing people. That's the thing that people want in this space. It's so easy to feel like, oh, I only have 100 followers. Like, no one's going to listen to me. No one's going to want that. I think I do a really good job at just sort of recognizing when somebody is being genuine, someone's being real and giving them a platform whenever I can. I don't care to moderate my feed or like if I'm tweeting too much, like that's not what my job is for. I'm not trying to grow my followers in this way. I All I want to do is be a, a voice for the community. And so I love retweeting things that people are saying, things that are working on art that they're working on or whatever, and just really kind of recognizing that. I think that one of the things that I do, especially even with the Moonbird account, is is recognizing that that too. You know, when a new person comes into the to the community, you know, retweeting that and making sure that they're being seen and welcome. And when they're doing something, especially for Moonbirds, before the DAO is even started, if they're doing a project related to us, I want to highlight that. And so by making sure that they feel seen, I think uh, makes another huge difference. I think that also hopping into spaces getting an idea of what it is that other people are talking about, whether or not it's about our project. This is like what a lot of the people who have the biggest voices on Twitter are saying. And I think that that has been really helpful in trying to figure out, you know, what it is that gets people going. What is it that is making people excited every day, you know? And so just that's the unscalable for sure. And I think that I'm learning to find that balance, especially when things get super busy, but always trying to find ways to do that, whether it's, you know, right before bed or whatever. But yes, I'm plugged in a lot. It's a lot, but <laughs> I think it's worth it. I think I'm having, you know, an amazing time. And I think I could do this for, for a really long time because I don't know, it's kind of addicting, you know? <laughs> I love it. I love it. You are clearly an extrovert, which I am. Uh, I get so much energy from having conversations with people, especially real conversations like this. You mentioned something earlier that I know my listeners would be remiss if I didn't come back to. You were mentioning how inside of your Discord, you guys 
have this application process for project collaborations, I think you called it. Mm -hmm. Tell everybody a little bit about how you do that and how that works, just because I think some people would find that interesting. Sure. You know, I'm assuming it's for members of the community only, but I'm not 100% sure if that's true. So talk to us a little bit about how that works. Okay, so it's all started, and this is actually not something that's super common for the what we call a blue chip project, right? Or, you know, something that's super high level. A lot of the times, you know, allow list opportunities don't happen on a sort of regular basis like this. But Kevin, even from when the Proof Collective was was around, he had some really amazing friends. He knows a lot of people who really wanted to also, you know, share an allow list for their project, which is sort of like a pre-sale for a project. And so from day one, he's always been about that. And so we had just a regular collaborations form, but we had a really high bar for that. And so we kept sort of denying other projects from people in our community because they didn't sort of live up to that, like former official collaborations restrictions or like requirements that we had. And so we wanted to also, again, this is, the community is at our core. We wanted to also make sure that we allowed that to, we wanted to be able to give a really amazing audience for our community. They're all working super hard. So we decided to also now create another category called community collaborations. So if you're part of our community and you are creating a project that is not a rug, so we still have uh, requirements for it to actually look good and for you to have, you know, some sort of like larger plan in the future for it. If it looks good, then we'll accept it. We'll highlight that. We'll share it with our community, always with the guise of, you know, make sure you do your own research. These are community collaborations. We want to just give you all a breath of, you know, here's all the things that people who own one of our tokens can do and have done. And there've been some amazing ones and ones that just didn't fit an official collaboration. But like, I think it gives a really cool opportunity for the community to see, oh, I didn't know this person held a moonbird. Like I didn't know this huge artist or this huge, you know, project where it was part of the community. That's really awesome. And so I think that there's a lot of value in that. And I think that there's, there's, I mean, I've seen people who bought, you know, a moonbird or bought an oddity just so that they can have the opportunity to reach our community. And so I think that we've done a really amazing job at being one of the best communities that you want to market to, especially since that a lot of us are, you know, focused on finding real projects, holding them and not necessarily flipping them. And, and I think that our, our community is just a little, they, they, they value quality. And I think that that's, those are the kind of people that you want to align yourself with. In a community as big and diverse as Moonbirds, you probably have your fair share of people who aren't happy with 100% of the decisions that are made. And you said you used to work in government and obviously people sometimes aren't happy with what the government does either. Right. So, so any tips on how to keep it positive? Because obviously sometimes you got people that aren't happy, you know, because the price is going down or this or that's going on. Any tips on that? I can't say that I'm perfect. I can't at all. But I think in general, showing strength in your in your project is the the biggest thing that you can do when things are going bad or when there's, you know, some negative sentiment in your community. If you are confident in what you're planning and what you're doing, then stay strong and stay try to stay as positive as you can. 
try to avoid being incredibly defensive. So keep it focused on the vision and the big picture, right? Exactly. Keep it focused on the big picture. And I think that eventually, you know, the market will do what the market wants to do. But I think with Web3 culture, this is really kind of the first time that people have such a close relationship and such easy access to a team. When you think about a Yelp review and think about if people could be talking in real life and giving those reviews to somebody in real life, how good that would probably feel for some people. I think it's psychological to be able to want to just get it out and being able to to remind yourself that it is just like, this is just something that they need to get out. If they wanted to leave, they would have left and they would have sold. But sometimes it's just, it's just easy to let out your frustrations on, on the internet, right? Staying focused, staying confident, reminding people of the vision, I think is the, just the, the biggest thing that you can do because it's not really about the talk. There's really not much that you can say to people to change their mind. It's really about what you're doing. And so focusing on celebrating when you are accomplishing things and shipping things, um, really highlighting it and making sure that people, you know, can, can always point to that, I think is super important. Staying online and needing to talk to them all day is, is not the most, you know, the, the best use of your, of your time. I will say I do it a lot. I will do it just because I care so much, but my advice to everybody is to just try to stay on target, try to stay positive, remind them of the vision. Well, and I don't think I've ever met anybody that's as resilient as Kevin Rose is. I mean, he's like, bring the dirt. Let's talk about it. Right. And he'll do it in a space. Yes. Nothing is off limits. He makes it very clear. I think that's really refreshing, you know, and I think he helps set kind of that standard for your organization, which is a great transition to my next question, which is culture. How do you create culture? How do we create culture? Let's talk about culture a little bit because it's such a fascinating, there's different cultures in different communities, right? And any tips on like how to actually intentionally create a culture? Because obviously if you don't intentionally create a culture, there will be another culture that will fill the gap, won't there? (laughs) Yes, there sure will. There sure will. I think that culture needs to come naturally. It needs to go the way that your team, I think, can lean into and make it easy, right? We can't, you know, Moonbirds can't necessarily jump into, let's let's pretend like we're bored apes here. Let's pretend like we're Azuki here. We can't, we can't do that. We know what we are because we're led by, you know, this team that knows what they are as well. You know, Kevin is entrepreneurial minded. He's a long-term investor. He is passionate about art. You know, the Proof Collective has that, all of those three tenants for sure. And I think that by leaning into that, you know, with everything that we do, it's an easy way to sort of build that culture and always kind of build those tenants and just build towards all of those things. And so I think you're going to be seeing a lot in 2023 with Moonbirds and especially on the art side, you know, we're really building out our art, the art pillar in Proof. And you're seeing it a little bit with the Grails project now. We're going to be doing even more for the Proof Collective. But I think that there's been an incredible shift in the Web3 culture as well lately of people really buying art for the first time and really leaning into that. And it's great for me because, you know, I'm not only somebody who works here, I'm somebody who is, you know, traded and bought art like from day one. And and I love it. And I think that also setting an example of the ideal, you know, Moonbird holder is something that I'm very conscious of doing. Like, you know, my Twitter feed is not only me supporting Moonbirds, but it's also me sharing the art 
or me sharing, you know, really good long-term strategies for things. You know, finding those people and curating that community of the people who value that also kind of creates a sort of feedback loop of this is what our culture is because people are seeing me having this conversation or other people having these conversations about art or long-term strategy and all this stuff. And they go, oh, wait, I think that 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 fits me. You know, I, I would love to aspire to come into Moonbirds because it seems like this is what they care about. I think that it's it's a conscious thing, but I think that the best thing that you can do is try to figure out what is it that your team or your leader or your CEO naturally does? What is it that they naturally care about? And try to impart that culture into your project, even if it's not related at all to what you're doing, that there's a way to make that connection and, and a way to bring in those people who will buy into your project, but also have this other side of it because this is just what the CEO gets really excited about. You know, like if if we all wanted to be really into watches, like we could be into watches and still be moonbirds, right? Like there's a way to, to tie that in and create a really, really distinct identity. And I think that that's like, that's super, super key. Watches and moonbirds. Are you giving some early alpha here? Because wasn't Kevin involved <laughs> with a watch company at some point? He sure was. He sure was. Yes. Yes. Well, so if um, we wanted to, we could. You we totally could. could. So um, Stevie slash Amanda, where in the world do we find out more about you? Do you have a preferred social platform if anybody wants to reach out to you? And then also, if people want to discover more about Proof and all the amazing things you all got going on, where, where do you want to send them? All right. So you can go to proof. Proof.xyz is our website, or you can follow us on Twitter at proof underscore XYZ. You can follow me on Twitter. That's my preferred platform. I'm at aka DV underscore. Maybe you can help me get rid of the underscore. Oh, you you have the underscore after your name? Okay. So it's aka S-T-E-V-E-Y underscore. Well, I have an underscore in mine too, you know. I mean, the truth of the matter, mine underscore is between my Mike, Mike and Stelzner. You know what? The bottom line is once someone types it in, they'll never type it in again. So just remember the underscore. I don't have any yeah. special Elon Musk connections, unfortunately. I'm not gonna be able to <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna be able to help you there. Amanda slash Steve. TV, thank you so much for sharing your awesome insights with us today. We're way better because of it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash W60. And by the way, if you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. And would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Web3 Business Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may Web3 continue to change your world. The Web3 Business Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. The information provided in the Web3 Business Podcast is provided solely for educational purposes. Do not treat what you hear as investment, trading, or financial advice. Do your own research. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.